One of the consequences of cohabitation in our world today is that it blurs marriage responsibilities. Cohabitation is a norm in most places around the world, especially South Africa. And we need to be careful to protect the unique relationship of marriage. Only husbands here are commanded to love their wives. All the way from Bokota Village in Limpopo, South Africa, we bring you Missionary Minds, where you can learn about family, church history, biblical worldview issues, and of course, missions. All from the mind of a real-world missionary of almost 20 years. But Paul, so many people today struggle with commitment and taking on responsibility or any kind of duty. Uh, it often shows itself in the realm of romance where young men and women think it better to wade in the dating pools of uncertainty instead of living and diving in the ocean of marriage. There's a sense in which people try to enjoy the benefits of intimacy without commitment. And that's why today we want you to address the question, are wives loved differently than girlfriends? Over to you, Mfundisi. First, the story. And I'm going to throw you off this time, Bodhikarni, without a story from church history. This is a story about Elizabeth Barrett Browning, who is considered by some today as one of the greatest female poets in English history. She was born in 1806. She was the eldest of 12 children, eight boys and four girls. She was homeschooled and very precocious and began writing poetic verse as a child. She had very poor health and lived often as a recluse in the home of her wealthy family. But don't think that her large family proves her father was some kind of doting shepherd to his children. In fact, he was a tyrant and he forbade all of his children, if you can believe this, from marrying. Barrett Browning once wrote, My father is a very peculiar person for him. He would rather see me dead at his foot than yield the point. And he will say so and mean it and persist in the meaning. Well, now fast forward to her late 30s. She is, of course, still single, as are many of her siblings. Her poetry by now has been published and has made her well known. And one day she receives a letter, which was not altogether uncommon, but she receives a letter from another aspiring poet named Robert Browning who would become famous himself one day. And he wrote, I loved your verses with all my heart. And they soon fell in love and began a several year long courtship in secret. Now come with me to the morning of 12 September, 1846. The previous night was sleepless for Elizabeth. She now slips out of her ivy clad mansion and along with her maid moves by foot for the church she is so ill she is so frightened that she arrives at the chapel more dead than alive but then at the age of 40 with only her maid as a witness she marries secretly 
Robert Browning at Marylebone Church. It was the first time that they had been together outside of her home. Now, the story's not over. Because after the wedding, she slips back into her home, removes her wedding ring, and lives as though she's unmarried for another week until she could finally tiptoe out again and leave her family and passed behind. And her father responded to the news by casting her off forever. She lived in Italy for the remainder of her life and died in 1861, having had one child, a wonderful marriage, and a successful life as a poet. In her most famous and best-loved poem, she wrote these words, How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight. Well, counting the ways to love your spouse was not unique with Browning, although she became famous in a sense for that. In fact, 1,500 years earlier, through inspired scripture, the Apostle Paul wrote the many ways. He counted the many ways in which a husband is called upon by God to love his wife. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Thanks for that, brother. As we think about an example like that, uh, a woman who was finally able to actually move into the estate of marriage and to uh, love her husband and describe it so. And as we look at our text and as we look at the balance of how Paul uh, outlines his argument, uh, it doesn't seem fair almost, especially in this world. He addresses women first, and it seems like he's just saying, submit, submit, submit. What about the men, actually? Well, actually, it's not submit, 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 although I get your point, Carney, and I know what you mean. But let's just remember, the word submit is only found twice in the previous section. That's verse 22 and following, verse 22 through 24. But it's actually only found twice in verse 24. In fact, even the first time it's found in verse 22, it's actually supplied from the previous verse in verse 21, which is why it's italicized in some translations. And so technically, it's not submit, submit, submit. Yes, that is the role of the wife in the previous section. If you think that God is very concerned with wives submitting to their husbands, absolutely, you would be right. Paul dealt with them first in verses 22 through 24, and essentially he said, ladies first. But if you think that God is very concerned with husbands loving their wives, you would again be right. In fact, if you feel as though women are being too hard on by Paul, let's remember that Paul actually devotes four times as many words in this section to the husband compared to the wife. And his duty specifically that Paul lays out is to love. And love is, as we know from Scripture, the greatest Christian virtue. We see a full explanation of it in 1 Corinthians 13. Jesus taught how important love is in Matthew 22, where he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Peter emphasized this in 1 Peter 4, where he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. And then we even find this from Paul in Galatians 5.14, where he says the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now we hear love, 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 and point well made. Bodhi Carney, you say, well, isn't that such a commonplace idea? Is anyone really struggling with this? Everyone says love, love, love. Find a shirt, find a movie, find a theme song that isn't talking about love. Very easy. But I would say true love in our society is actually very rare. Thanks, brother. I love the way you put it there. It's almost as if uh, Paul saves the best for last. If we're talking about who gets the great weight of responsibility in the passage there. And yeah, getting to love now, it does seem like it's so natural. It comes so naturally to everyone. Uh, submission seems to be the hard thing. So uh, it still seems that most people would view it that way, that the lady is still getting the short end of the stick. Isn't love easy? Well, what Paul's going to do here in this section is he's going to drill down deep to give a host of ways in which a husband is to love his wife. Paul is not content with generalities. He's not content with platitudes. He's going to give us specifics of how we can love. It makes me think of the great Puritan pastor that once said, love without action is like Rachel, beautiful but barren. And I think about that often in our world today. We say love, 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 love. Yeah, it sounds beautiful, but really it's barren because there's no action behind that love. And in the same way, Paul is not so much concerned with words of love in this section. He's going to show us how to act in love and specifically love toward our wives. This really is a heavy section. Uh, it's going to take a long time to unpack this. This will be multiple episodes that will go through this passage. It's going to take hours for men to comb through this. So really, guys, we're going to have to buckle up because when we come to this section, Paul is going to drive us to that word and what it means. He's going to use metaphors. He's going to use illustrations. He's going to use Old Testament examples so that we can understand what this means. But maybe just for today, we can take a glance briefly at verse 25 to unpack a little bit about what he means by husbands loving the wife. It's actually interesting that Paul chose that word, which is love. He could have chosen a host of other words. When many people think of men, the first thing that doesn't come to mind is love. And so what does he actually mean by this? Why the word love? It actually does surprise me a little bit. And if you're following Paul, you might have expected him to follow the previous section, which was on wives submitting to their husbands with a command for husbands basically to do the flip side, right? So women, you are to submit, and therefore we would expect Paul to say, and husbands, you are to rule. You are to rule over your wives. And now it is true that husbands are to rule in the home. 
But this is not how Paul proceeds. Instead, he surprises us by imploring husbands to love. And the nature of this love is, is unconditional. Uh, it is the word uh, agapao. It is a rich word. It's used well over a hundred times in the New Testament. But really at its core, the word love or agapao means seeking the highest good of the object, uh, seeking the highest good of the one love. So we can test ourselves. When we say, I love this item or I love this person, do we really love them? Well, ask yourself, are you seeking their highest good? Which means sometimes you're going to say painful things that hurt them, but that's because you want their highest good. Whereas in our world today, if you say anything that hurts their feelings or bothers them or offends them, then ipso facto we say it's not love. Rather, love is making a free choice upon its object. Other words for love in antiquity or even in scripture might be more selfish, but here this is all about a selfless love. This love emphasizes a kind of affection, not for someone who's worthy, but unworthy. It doesn't love based on merit. It's a a willful, unconditional love that wants the highest good for the object, for an object that doesn't merit it. It it doesn't get an A plus on its report card and therefore will love. It it doesn't come home with a first place trophy and therefore we love. And in this sense, a husband really is to love his wife in the way a wife is to submit to her husband in that their action is not dependent on the other person. Right? We, we saw that previously where we said, wives, don't submit to your husbands just because he deserves it. It doesn't matter if he deserves it. Do it because it's unto the Lord, because it's, it's right. And in the same way, husbands are to love their wives, not because it's meritorious. It's selfless love. It doesn't love only the lovely. It doesn't love only to get something back. You think of 1 Corinthians 13. There's 15 or so descriptions of love in that love chapter. But if I could, if I could only choose one definition that really, in my mind, encompasses the the idea of love, I would take the explanation in verse five where it says, it does not insist on its own way. Or as the old King James says, love seeketh not her own. This is the way husbands are to love their wives there are times that you really just cannot beat the way the king james explains things i love that Uh, but paul before we dive into the verse a little more i want to get some practical examples so does anything come to mind from your life or people you've seen where a husband has had to um hurt his wife you you said uh to actually help her uh, to grow or a way he's had to sacrifice of himself or love unconditionally? Anything you can share? Oh, absolutely. It would be in the spiritual. It would be in the physical. Now, of course, when we say hurt, we're we're careful how to use that phrase. We're not talking um, 
uh, physically hurt, but we're, we're saying there are times, especially as men, that we have to hurt ourselves in order to love our wives. So, so that means uh, we might stay up later so that she can get more rest. We, we might uh, wear certain kinds of clothing so that she can clothe her, her home with scarlet. Uh, we might have to take on an extra job. Or when it comes to spiritually, uh, we might have to hurt her in a sense of, darling, you need to work on this. Or I can see an area in your life that you need to improve. That would be, that would be a mark of love. Why? Because another definition in 1 Corinthians 13, love rejoices in the truth. So again, we live in a world today that, especially I think of, uh, the homosexual agenda, and we say, how can it be loving if we, let's say, reject a particular person? Well, because love rejoices in the truth. It's never love if it's false. So you might have to privately pull your wife aside and say, uh, I just noticed A, B, and C. We've got to work on this. This isn't helpful. Or hurt ourselves in the process, whereby we're seeking to love them uh, by putting pain upon our own shoulders so that she can receive the highest good. Praise God, brother. And that just takes me back to two things. Uh, the first is a few days ago, you posted a WhatsApp status and you were uh, saying on there that marriage is not about being equal. There is an unequal weight that rests on the husband's shoulders and how he's supposed to sacrifice for his wife and the other is to uh, the message you preached for my wedding and all the responsibility that a man should be expected to take on. And it kind of makes you think, what are the feminists trying to fight? That's beautiful. Someone who's willing to lay their life down for you. I, I, yeah, I think, I think that post had to go back to, as you really dig into the text, you see that husbands can never sit back and say, I've arrived with my love. And the reason is because the measure of Christ's love for us is so great. And since we are supposed to love like Christ, we have to sit back and say, I can, I can never love like Christ because Christ loves his bride so much more than the bride loves him back. So when people say, you know, should love be 100-100 or maybe it should be 50-50, I really think the the goal of a husband ought to be, even biblically, that his love for his wife ought to supersede the love that she has for him. Not only because he's commanded specifically, the, the, the woman is never commanded specifically to love her husband. Now, I understand there are lots of examples in scripture of the uh, of the wife loving her husband. Yes, we are told in Titus 2, where the older woman is to teach the young woman to love her husband. Yes, women, love your husbands. But as far as the command to do so, we find that here in verse 25, in fact, it's the only command in the section. You have to go back to verse 18 in chapter 5, when it says, be filled with the Spirit, to find another command like this, an imperative. Paul is making a point of how we ought to love our wives directly and fervently. Yeah, and as far as tall orders go, it doesn't get much taller than that. Uh, okay, let's get to that phrase there. Husbands, love your wives. It seems pretty simple, just four words. What do you actually see when you look at this text? 
Well, I see a command to unconditionally love the wife, and that would bring several implications. One of the implications is that this love is in marriage. Specifically, this is a marital love. So this is not speaking about a general love between men and women, but it is a specific kind of love between spouses. It's between a husband and his wife. And Paul constructs this verse in such a way so as to, in a sense, be snapping his fingers at the husband. He's trying to get their attention. Men need this because we're always thinking about other things. So Paul gives this imperative. He gives this command. Uh, I heard, I've heard it said that men need to be told things twice. I think it was Ray Comfort that said, God must say things twice to men. Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel, Saul, Saul. And we all have stories of our wives having to tell us things twice, thrice, and dozens of times. And so here he's trying to get our attention. Uh, One African translation in scripture in verse 25 writes, you men, in other words, getting our attention, love your wife. He's not telling the husband to love any woman in general. No, he's not commanding him to love his mama or to love his sister. Yes, that has value. Specifically, he's talking about marital love. Husbands, love your wives. You speak about men being needed to to be told more than once about things. I think when my wife hears this podcast, she's going to bring that that one up. So, um, And you, you mentioned... He's not instructing the man to love his mama or his sister. And in the light of our discussion, he's not instructed to love his girlfriend that way. Uh, This is a love that only exists with that security within the bounds of marriage. What would be some implications for our modern world? Yeah, well, practically, and that's what we want to get to, right? What are the implications? What does this mean for me? Practically, a girlfriend then cannot use this verse as a crowbar to force from her man some kind of responsibility that he's not under. Now, he, of course, should be very kind to the woman that he is courting. He should be pure. He should be chivalrous. He should be thoughtful. But he is not responsible to love her specifically as this passage commands, although, of course, you want to see signs of that. One of the consequences of cohabitation in our world today is that it blurs marriage responsibilities. Cohabitation is a norm in most places around the world, especially South Africa. And we need to be careful to protect the unique relationship of marriage. Only husbands here are commanded to love their wives. That's such a dagger to the way our world thinks just of uh, convenience and trying to uh, go about things the easy way. In closing here, when you look at the text, can you squeeze anything else out of these four words? Well, if I could give one more, perhaps I would say that this love is very narrow. Yes, we talked about how it's a marital love, but I would say Again, this is such a narrow focus here. This love is more, if I could say, more like an NFL football player as opposed to a rugby player. Uh, Rugby players are more general. 
they play offense and they play defense and they kick they tackle and they run but in the nfl it's just so precise it's so focused on a particular task so for example a guy's entire job in the nfl might be to do one specific thing it might be to snap or it might be to kick the field goal or it might be to punt it might be to play special teams it might be to run a, a deep crossing pattern this is the way love is here in the verse it is very focused it's very narrow there is a particular and precise element in which the husband is to love it is for his wife and this affection should be directed not to girlfriends it is directed to his wife I, I love the fact that it uses by the way the possessive pronoun your there really is a sense in which he owns her and there really is a sense in which she owns him first corinthians 7 2 right gives warrant for this each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband so i would say treat your wife very differently men than other women you say oh, i'm gonna text her in this way or i'm gonna drive with another woman this way or i'm going to eat lunch with another woman in this way look this is a totally different relationship oh but we're to love everyone no but here it's specifically that the husband is to love his wife i would even say this is kind of a tacit argument for monogamy um that this is this is possessive this is your wife and if we think this is only you know only a, an african issue i just received uh, a whatsapp call from uh, a wonderful brother in Utah and he said look I've I've read some of your things on on polygamy and oh man we have this issue where a man had two wives and now he's gloriously come to Christ and what do I what do I do with this and I would say man this is first of all a very difficult issue but you can never completely love your wife as this passage says if there are multiple wives at the same time this is so narrowed so specific to the way a husband is to love his wife and we're going to talk about this we're going to unpack this more and more uh, throughout the episodes to give specific ways of how husbands can do this what a treat Mfundisi. to our audience if you've enjoyed this podcast please be sure to rate it and subscribe to keep posted with more upcoming content feel free to share this episode with someone who might find it interesting and submit any questions you may want answered on a future podcast. You can email those questions to paulschleyline at gmail.com. You can also visit betweentwocultures.com for other resources like this. I'm your host, Yamikani Katunga, and until next time, that's it from Missionary Minds. <laughs>